Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. And Jimmy, don't put the picture up yet. I'll let you know when to put it up. You're like, what picture, what picture? All right, I want you to think about Hollywood for a moment. I want you to think about the greatest villains in film. And the villains in film that were also greedy. Who do you think of when you think of villains that are greedy? You think of Scrooge, right? You think of the Grinch. How many of you think of Daniel Plainview? People are like, who? Now you can throw that picture up, Jimmy. Throw that, throw that photo up. You know who that character is? That's da- Daniel Day-Lewis won an Oscar for playing this character who was, and here's the description, he plays an obsessive, savage oil prospe- prospector, and he taught all of us how greed can rob a person of their soul. Ooh. He plays an evil, greedy, dark character. And, uh, but I love that line. He taught us all about how greed can rob a person, can rob a man or a woman of their soul, of their soul, of their soul. You know, the Bible, it does warn us over and over and over and over again that greed and that obsession with money, with wealth, it can ruin relationships. How many of you have had a strained relationship in your life, family, friendship, over money? Just raise your hand. I have, I I mean, raise your hand. Yeah, it hits so many of us. And Jesus warned about this obsession with, this fixation on. And in the New Testament, it says it can lead to, to sorrow and an obsession with wealth can cause us to lose our faith. Did you know that? Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 10. If you have a Bible, I hope you brought your Bible. If you have it, open it up. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 10, and then we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, a parable that Jesus told. And um, as I read this passage, I want you to, in fact, let me, I want to, I want to pray for us. I just, I think there are moments in our lives, this is the, this issue of money, it's the one that causes us to, to get a little tense, to get a little defensive, to get a little like, oh gosh, the preacher's making me feel guilty. My goal today is not to make you feel guilty about money. My goal today is to teach God's word and let the spirit of God and the word of God do the work of God in your heart. And if that's to set you free, if that's to comfort you, to encourage you, 
or convict you, because that also is the role of the Holy Spirit, I'm praying that God will do his work in your heart and in my heart. And whenever I speak and preach, I say, I'm preaching to myself first. I don't, I don't teach any message here at Ocean Hills that I'm not first saying, I gotta live this. I gotta, he's gotta speak to me before he speaks to you on a Sunday morning. So I have been wrestling and leaning in and, uh, and living this out, not perfectly, but certainly intentionally and faithfully. Here we go, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Yet true godliness, okay, I just stop right there. You want to you be a godly person? Here we go. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Contentment. Contentment. It's great wealth to be a contented person. Verse 7, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Do you believe that? I mean, I'm just going to challenge you. Do you, be do you believe that? You brought nothing into the world, and when you die, you're not taking it with you. You're dead. You're not taking it with you. Do you That's what the Bible says. It's reminding us of the wisdom, the perspective of what's real here. Verse 8, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Wow, no, no, no. I don't want the Bible to say that. I want more than food and clothing. I don't want to just be content with enough to live on. I want more. I want bigger. I want better. I want newer. But Paul says to Timothy, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be Content, verse 9, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. That's a warning. I'm going to read it again. But people who long to be rich, and I don't know your heart, but God does, do you long to be rich? Or do you long to be content with what you have? Do you long to be rich or do you long to be content? People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped. You might not know it. I might not know it. Sometimes we're blind. We lack self-awareness. But the Bible says we become trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money is the root of all. It's not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's a sin to die wealthy and rich and not give it away. That's what Rick Warren says. The root of all Evil is the love of money. Not money itself, but the love, the fixation on it. This longing, I gotta have more and more and more. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, not everyone, but some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I read this passage over and over and over again this week, and I'm like, I don't even want to teach on that. Like, that just teaches itself. We don't even have to explain that. You just soak and simmer in that and let the words just, just marinate in that and let those words guide you. 
Let those words point you into the direction of what matters most in life. And then Jesus, and I'm, I, I, I'm just going to tell this, you know, I, I sometimes when I teach on money, I, I teach out of the Old Testament, and sometimes we teach out of the New Testament. We teach both. But uh, I, I had somebody that was not happy a few weeks ago of me. Like, You're teaching out of the Old Testament. Who do you think you are? All right. Well, I hope you're here today because now you're going to get to hear what Jesus said about money and about wealth and about giving. So buckle up. Here's the New Testament. For those of you that are, well, I'm not an Old Testament Christian. I'm a New Testament. Okay, buckle up. Here we go. These are the words of Jesus. Someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus said, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Now I'm going to push pause right there. Jesus did not bud his way into that person's life and business. This person invited Jesus into their life and said, hey, can you help me think about money and, the, and our inheritance and my brother? And can you help me get that money that he, you know, okay. Jesus doesn't force his way into our lives. This guy invited Jesus' perspective, and here's Jesus' perspective for him and for you and for me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, beware. That's a warning word. Beware. Beware. Hey, heads up. Pay attention. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. I'm going to just repeat that word of Jesus again. Beware, guard against every kind of greed. And then here's, here's what you want to underline in your Bible. Life is not measured by how much you own. Well, what is it measured by? It begs that question. How do you measure your life? How do you measure what matters most? When you're laying on your deathbed, how will you know if you've run a good race? How will you measure whether or not you've lived a life that was successful or a failure? How, what's your measuring the way you measure? So here's what Jesus says. It says, then he told him a story. Verse 16, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That sounds good, doesn't it? Like, more for me, kick back, retire, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that what life's all about? Well, I don't know. Let's see what Jesus said. Verse 20, but God said to him, you amazing, wise leader. You fool. You fool. This very night, 
you will die this very night. And then, who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God, or not store up treasure with God, not be rich toward God. So this is a parable that Jesus tells, and it's full of emotion, isn't it? it can't, you can't read this without kind of feeling a little nervous. It's full of wisdom, and it's full of warning. And he calls this wealthy man out. We don't like to think of Jesus that way, tender Jesus, baby Jesus, you know, nice, kind Jesus. But Jesus speaks a word to a wealthy man, and he calls him, calls him out, calls him a fool. If that were me, I'd probably be offended. I'd be like, I'm not rich. How many of us say that? We live in Santa Barbara. I'm not rich. How many of us say that, and we're like, well... If, and I said this last week, and I had people come up to me after and go, well, if you could figure out a way to make it work here in Santa Barbara, and I'm speaking to myself, you're, you're definitely in the top 10%, you know. Now, you may be spending more than you're making. That's a different issue, and we could talk about that at another time. You may feel poor, but the fact that we live here, not Bakersfield, here, Santa Barbara, I know I just offended somebody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, all right. He calls out this man. He calls him foolish. It's about short-sightedness, self-indulgence, and self-deception. Because we live in a world of more. More for me. Newer, bigger barns, better, right? And Jesus says... Life is not measured by how much you own. So how is it measured? Raise your hand if you want to be a fool. You want to go, I am so, I'm such a fool. Raise your hand. Yeah, not, not one of us. We don't want to be a fool. Did Julio, you want to be a fool? No way, man. You already are. <laughs> no, but none of us wants Jesus saying you're a fool. Okay, so heads up, pay attention. Here we go. We're going to talk about what matters most. How do we decide, how do we choose what matters most? I think there's three choices that I'm going to encourage you to make from this passage. The first one is this. I want to encourage you today to choose what you want most over what you want now. Make the choice day after day after day, moment after moment after moment. Choose what you want most over what you want now. Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life's not measured by how much you own. So how do I guard against greed? I did a lot of reading this week, and there was one common theme. The number one way to guard against greed is... To give, to give, to become a generous person. Why? Because giving and generosity destroys selfishness. Giving and generosity is fighting the good fight and the battle against being a greedy person. How do you guard against greed? You give. 
And if you find yourself, I'm, but I'm, the fear stuff, that might be an indicator. That may be a looking in the mirror and going, wow, I'm so afraid. That means I'm not trusting God. These are the words of Jesus. The number one way to guard against greed, to battle and defeat selfishness, is to become a generous person, a giver in your life. What do you want most? Treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? So, do you remember, was it last week or a couple, it was two weeks ago, I had, I had a bunch of books up here, The Treasure Principle, and he talks about this. If you took one of those, this, uh, this rope up here, he, he calls it a line and a dot on the line. Francis Chan also used an uh, illustration about a rope. But, here, but, but here's the story. This rope represents eternity, 50 feet of rope. Three inches here on the end, the blue, this represents life on earth, your life on earth, my life on earth. And the rest of the rope is eternity. And Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. But we're like so fixated on this. Like, wow, this is everything. This is, this is it. And we live in a culture, it's all about this. It's all about this. It's all about this. And we've lost perspective. Again, do you trust God's word? Really? Well, I believe it, but am I living it? Well, I don't know. Are you living for this? Or are you living for all this? That's in a sense what Jesus is saying. What good is it if you gain the whole world? Here you go. But lose your soul. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up, and the word's there, for yourselves, treasures in heaven. And how do I do that? Well, over and 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 over, the Bible says to live your life beyond yourself for the sake of others. So you live this way. You move from being a consumer to becoming a contributor. And that happens in a lot of different ways. Remember a few weeks ago when we said, hey man, DJ has uh, moved off of staff and we were using his truck for setup and takedown. I said, anybody want to donate a truck to the church? I had a young man, late 20s, early 30s, donate his car. Not a multimillionaire, 60, 70 year old, a young man in his 20s or 30s say, okay, here you go. You can have my car. Who does that? Person of faith. It was awesome. That, that, that strengthened my faith. That encouraged me. Jesus is saying, live this way. Give to my mission. Give to my work. I want lost people found. I want hurting people helped. And that happens through the local church like Ocean Hills. That happens through international justice mission. That happens through Young Life. That happens through, I mean, there's so many. Team World Vision. The point is to live this way, to live this way. Now, I had somebody challenge me a few weeks ago and said, you know, you, what about giving? For, again, I've, I've, I've kind of taken some shots here in this series on money. I'm like, whoa. What about giving from your heart? 
great. Where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart is. Give from your heart. If it doesn't impact your pocketbook, you take it up with Jesus. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Show me where your money's going, and I'll show you where giving from your heart is. All right, second reflection really quick. First one is choose what you want most over what you want now. Here's another insight I had. Choose to value we and us over me and mine. Choose to value we, us, they over me, mine, I. Notice if you have your Bibles open, Luke 12, 16 and 19, there's nothing in this wealthy man's language or attitude or perspective that is thinking beyond himself, thinking about God, thinking about others, sharing, helping, sacrifice, giving. It's nowhere to be found in this story, in his vocabulary. In fact, if you look closely, notice his language. It's all I, me, mine. I'm going to read it again, the parable. Notice every time, I'm going to enunciate it for you. He tells him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, he's having a conversation with himself. Where's his family? Where's his friends saying, hey, let's talk about money together. Let's help each other get better. Let's help each other become the men and women that God dreamed for us to become. Now, he's having a, a self-conversation in his own head. He said to himself, what shall I do, I don't have room for all my, all my crops. And then he said, I know I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And guess what? I will sit back and I'll say to my family and friends in the world, no, that's not what it, I'll say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. The person who's living for themselves is living a very small life. This man in this story is living for himself. He may think he has a, a big hat, but his impact, his life, his love, his relationships, where, where, where is the we? Where are the friendships? Where is the love? You know, let me just remind us of that very famous popular book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. Do you remember the very first line of, book about that thick, great book. What's the first line of the book? It's not about you. Life, it's not about you. It's not about you. This guy in this story, nobody told him that. His whole life was centered and revolved around him. Around him, around him, around him. And that's a small way to live. Here's my third reflection. Choose more stories over more stuff. Choose more stories over more. How many more pairs of shoes do you need? I actually put on my shoes this morning and I went, oh my gosh, I have now shoes 
piled on top of shoes. I got my closet floor, and there's not enough room for all my shoes. How about you? How many pair of sunglasses do you need? How many watches do you have? I, I looked in my drawer, I have six watches. I'm not even wearing a watch. Why do I have six watches? <laughs> this is the American way, we're consumers. We gotta have more stuff. Stuff is not what life is all about. Jesus wants you to have more stories when you get to the end of your life, that there's gonna be people in heaven telling stories about your generosity and your sacrifice, that they're in heaven because of you, because of what you did and how you lived and how you saved and then sacrificed and gave. Don't you wanna have more stories? I mean, I'm taking stuff to the goodwill. I mean, I, I, stuff, I got too much stuff. And you do too, most of you. And what would happen if we pivoted right here, right now in the summer of 2023 and we said, you know what? Uh, how many, uh, I can't say it. <laughs> I can't say it. I gotta be careful about my family telling stories. I can tell them about me, but I can't tell them about my family. I'm a grandpa now, so, you know. But I think about like a little kid, you know, we live in this, this world that it's all about consuming and I gotta have the latest, the newest, the best, the fastest. And Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven. Have a rich relationship with God. So how do I do that? How do I treasure what he treasures? Well, let me ask you. What does God treasure? If you read the Bible, what is, who and what does God treasure? He treasures people. He treasures you and me. He treasures the poor. He treasures the wealthy. He treasures lost people who have lost their way, who don't know God, or who have been beat up by the church or burned out by the church. He treasures those people. It makes him sad. And he wants people to be in a rich relationship with himself. And he treasures people that are hurting, that are suffering unjustly, people that are in abusive relationships. He cares about it. children that have no clean water. He cares about that. And what I think the Bible teaches us is we're to treasure what he treasures, and we're to put our treasure, to invest it into what he treasures, to live beyond myself. And, and I could tell, there's so many ways, so many of you are doing that. So many of you are a role model for Natalie and I. So many of you are leading the way, and it's inspiring to be, you know, a pastor, a leader, but I, I, I love that Gandhi quote, there go my people I must follow. I feel that way. So many of you inspire me to live larger and more generously and to live beyond myself. I wanna close with a verse. It comes from Jeremiah 45, verse five. This, this really deeply um, touched me. Tim Keller, many of you know that name. Some say he was the C.S. Lewis 
of our generation, written many, many books, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. He died a month ago, died of cancer. And he made a video to his church, a final message. Here's the, here's the, here's the one thing. I, I, I can only tell you one thing as I'm about to die. What would you say, right? What would you say to your family? This is what I was thinking, God, what would I say to Ocean Hills, you know? Here's what he said to Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Final words. Jeremiah 45.5, are you seeking great things for yourself? Don't do it. Wow. Just keep that slide up there. Let's just sit in that for a moment. Just read that quietly. And then do the, the, the real gut check. Am I, is John Ireland, put your own name in there. Are you seeking great things for yourself? That's nine miles of bad road, man. That's what my dad used to say. But it's true. Living that way, it's nine miles of bad road. It's a foolish way to live. Don't do it. And that is counterintuitive and countercultural in Santa Barbara, in California, in America today. We live in this culture. We are swept up in a current that we are to seek great things for me, myself, and I. And if there's leftover, okay, and my kids. My kids, too, that's part of my legacy, but beyond that, mm. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Don't do it. Let's pray. I'm gonna give you a, just a little extended moment here of silence. Why did God bring you to church today to hear this message? What, what is it that the Spirit of God and the Word of God want to say to you? And how will you respond? How will you respond? In the book of Hebrews, we read, when you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. So right here in this moment, how about you just soften your heart? You say, God... Soften my heart. Help me to be good soil. Not defensive, not angry, not yeah, but, not making excuses, not if only. How about yes? God, I hear your voice, and the answer is yes, I'm in. I want to treasure what you treasure. I don't want to be a fool. God, thank you for showing me what generosity looks like. I confess that at times it's easy for me to focus on things that don't matter. But today, I surrender to your will, trusting in you completely. I pray that you would change the way I think and give me a generous heart. Move me from being a consumer to becoming a contributor. Make me aware of all the resources that I have and how I can use them to help and serve others. I pray that you, 
Jesus would help me to live a life that blesses others just as you have richly blessed me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...